I'm Kerry Adams and you're listening to Kerry's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs. Today, in my studio, around my barrel, I have one of my favorite. In fact, you probably are my best boyfriend. I know I say that to lots of people, but I think you are the best. Maybe the longest standing. Longest still standing. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Sampson. He doesn't really need any introduction, but for those of you who may have forgotten, he is the brand guru of South Africa. He's the chairperson now of brand finance. Um, just honestly, a wealth and a mine and a mountain of information that we all need to know about specifically at this time in South Africa. And what we do every year, if you haven't seen or watched it before, but what Jeremy and I have done for many, many years mm. is sort of that was the year that was or that is. And what we loved about it and what we didn't love about it. And what we recommend for Christmas. We're talking eating and drinking. There's lots of other things we could recommend. <laughs> but this is an eating and drinking thing. This is one. In fact, it's gorgeousness. So Carrie's Connoisseurs is about all things nice, really. We don't want to focus on horrible stuff. So Jeremy and I talk about everything that we loved. Some things that we didn't quite love so much during the year. And we try and give you recommendations for what we think might make your Christmas holidays, your summer holidays, much happier than they might have been otherwise. So, Jim, how are you? What have you been up to? Good to be with you, as always, Kerry. You're looking very well, and I'm struggling along. That normally along. means you've put on 10 <laughs> kilograms. <and laughs> I know what that means. But, you know, as you've been saying, this hasn't been an easy year. No. In fact, for, I think, the majority of people, it's actually been a very difficult year. Um, and, you know, to be still standing, to be surviving, because um, I was going to say South Africa, but I've got to say for the world at the oh. moment, it's not for the faint-hearted. I just don't know how we have allowed ourselves to get into this mess. We have actually allowed ourselves to get, more than allowing ourselves, we've encouraged ourselves to get into this mess, and we continue to. And, you know, it's an interesting thing, now that we're really shooting the breeze, and this is probably stuff that we're going to be hung out to dry for. <laughs> but I have this thing that there's nothing really new on planet Earth. It's just a rehash of what was. And every generation thinks that they've come up with something new. But it's all been done before. I promise you, it really has. It's interesting you say that, because I have a, a good friend in the world of PR, Francois Baird, and some of your listeners will know him, who actually said that to me couple of years ago. Oh, really? He said because of digital and television and everything, so much stuff is a new version of what has gone before. But he said we're all sensitized to it. You know, whether it's our Facebook, whether it's X or Twitter mm. or whatever, it's all just flowing in all the time. It is. Mm. And there's nothing really new. So in order to try and appease or to try and calm myself down about <laughs> a lot of the bullshit that's going on at the moment, I I sort of dive into my books whenever I need to calm down. You know, it's, it's a lovely way of, of decompressing. And without belaboring the thing, it's a little bit like the revival of, of modernism and then postmodernism that came after. 
that produced some of the most brilliant things of all time on planet Earth. I think the postmodernist era was really fantastic. <laughs> and they were the guys who got to the stage where they said to the modernists, we've given you 30 years. You've been puffing and blowing smoke and hot air and gas. You haven't actually achieved too much of anything. Go away. We've given you enough airspace and enough, enough air time. Go away. And the postmodernists took over and brilliance came out of all of that. So I'm really, really hoping that that's what's going to start happening now. And I mm. think that maybe at the risk of getting a teensy bit political, which we don't want to be, I think this whole Israel thing might be the start of people saying, up with this, we will not put. I certainly hope you're right. Mm. But I've never remembered in my life before turning off television channels. Yeah. Well, which, I don't even which, turn them on. Which I, well, <laughs> that is just don't turn them and, on. And that's what someone has said. If you want to lower your stress levels, mm. stop watching television, listening to the radio, cut out the newspapers. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. Get back to a good book. Yeah. And I have to say, I don't read that many books because I'm reading other stuff off the computer. But mm. I have a couple of really good books I've got lined up. Have you? Like uh, what? I want to read Elon Musk. You know, it's that thick. And uh, Elon, I've been trying to get him to... <laughs> we're so close to interviewing him. I'm not going to let you know, have any more clues, but we're very close to interviewing well, him. Well, I want to know when because I want to make sure I'm listening as well. He's my hero. I love him. Well, I find I like him. I respect him. My boys were at the same school with him on either side of him, I think. Um, at Pretoria <laughs> Boys High. And to me, he's brilliant. And everyone's talking about all the money he's losing on Twitter and X and whatever oh, you want to call it. You should worry. Look at the whole amount of money he's got. It's petty cash. That's <laughs> piggy bank. You know, and when you think it's of what Elon's he's... Elon's piggy bank. He's 52, that's all. What he's achieved... He's no, very hot. From PayPal. He's very clever. Well, he's I'm not going rich. there. <laughs> What's but, not to like? But when you look at the SpaceX and what he's done yeah. just with that, Tesla. and then look at Tesla... <laughs> Launching rockets into bloody space. Well, there's nothing cheap and, and this, poor and about that. And the South African that. government doesn't want to deal with them. Oh, please. How stupid. Why? How because stupid. they want their share of the action like they do with everything. That we don't even want to start talking about South African government because they should really be blown off the planet right here and right now. Well, they're blowing South Africa off the planet. Oh. So the sooner we get rid of them, the better. This load and we're not going to be political, are we? Let's stop doing that. <laughs> Let's, no, this could, this could get us down a very sticky alleyway. So we're going to change. We're going to talk about... All our Wine. nice things, all our <laughs> nice things. Jim, you've been on your travels this year as well. Tell me where you've been. Not as much as I would like, um, but um, I have a younger daughter and her husband and two very small grandsons in the UK. So my wife has actually got across more than me, which is very unusual. What are your grandsons called? Well, we have an Arlo, who's two and a half. Mm -hmm. Now you're testing me. <laughs> and, and, the, and the number two is Finn. And oh, that's sweet. I, I want to call my next Scotty Finn. <laughs> I'll tell them that. They'll, be, they'll appreciate that. Yeah. But when were you last in a household of a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old? Oh, thank so God. We had, for a long time. We had two years, uh, two years, two weeks <laughs> at the end of September and the first week of October. I have to say I'm still in shock from that two weeks. <laughs> Not so much because of the boys, because they were fantastic, but the weather. Because oh, in really? Two, was in it two weeks, it was like... Johannesburg in June. Blue skies, 
from morning to evening, sunshine. Uh, we were over there for a friend's special birthday. He was doing a cruise on the Thames on a Sunday evening, oh, you know, meeting up at three o'clock, finishing at 7.30. And it was like a mill pond. Everyone was out you know, um, either on the uh, side of the Thames or in their boats. And there were the bottles of wine and the glasses. <laughs> Everyone was having an absolute How breeze. Gorgeous. It was fantastic. And that was now. Last week of September, first week of October, perfect. We went down to Weymouth, my home down in Dorset, where I grew up. And the the sea temperature, if you don't believe in global warming, the sea temperature was just under 18 degrees centigrade. In the days that I swam there 100 years ago, (laughs) it never got up before, well, beyond about 12 or 13. It's global warming. But you know what? That's also cyclical. That's nothing new. The planet moves on its axis, stuff changes that we have no control over. We don't like plastic bottles in the sea and all that sort of stuff. But we can't do anything about global warming. I mean, you know, that's a pipe dream. That's an old gore wannabe. Use a bit more wind, use a bit yeah. more solar. <laughs> <laughs> a little a few windmills. Oh, God, we're not going to go there. So England was gorgeous at the end of September, which it shouldn't be. It's starting to be autumnal well, already. Well, exactly, autumnal and the leaves turning and that sort of thing. But it was and, you know, going up to London and, and being there just for a short time, managing one's time, mm. I, I took a, a day out on my own and went up to town and uh, did a little bit of work. But then I found myself on my own at lunchtime. So I just. So where did you sneak into? I sneaked into the Wolseley. You and, see? Uh, <laughs> Nothing changes, guys. And I think you would have enjoyed it as well. <laughs> yes. um, and it was fantastic. Yeah. And then on another occasion, uh, my wife and I went up to town again and spent a day together, you know, because that doesn't happen too often. And for our. She probably lunch, tries to avoid spending a day, whole day with you. Well, once in every couple of years, <laughs> she, can uh, she can manage it. <laughs> Sharon. But she actually recommended a place that our daughter had taken her to, uh, which was in, you remember Somerset House? On yes. The stand, that it's big, where all the records of grannies and grandpas were, is they kept. Were, yes. But there's a restaurant there now called Spring. And the lady chef there is right up in lights. And I have to say, it's one of the best Lovely. meals I've ever had. Helped by a gorgeous, gorgeous bottle of Macaw from the white area. Oh, so we got some Macon Looney, which would have been a little Chardonnay, a little, a little Chardonnay. Yes, And it was nice. magic, absolute magic. Yeah. So you spent time in the UK, which is understandable. You can hear that's where he comes from. And when I'm speaking to you about places to eat and drink in South Africa... Have you found or discovered anything nice and new in Johannesburg or Cape Town? Because those are really the only two places we go. I go to KZN because my family's there. And we'll talk about those two because there are some nice things there. Cape Town, Johannesburg, anything new that anybody needs to know about that you highly recommend? I'm not able to talk about Cape Town. I was taken by my daughter to a lovely place there in November last year. But I haven't been down to Cape Town this year, which is unusual. That's their loss. Well, and I know there are lots of good places there. Johannesburg, you know, as I reached out to you a little while ago, mm. where do you go now? Because I know it's quite hard. I was taken, uh, and we've been several times in Parkhurst to embark. And to Embark's me, quite nice. I think it's quite nice. And do you know what but else who is, is better? nice? Who do you is know better? what else is nice in Parkhurst? 
And now it's that I still got COVID brain. I'm blaming it on COVID. <laughs> I think I'm not going to be allowed to do that anymore next year. It starts with an M. Well, it might come back later Callum, in the program. Callum, what's that place in Parkhurst that starts with an M? <laughs> <laughs> and he is not my age. Callum is 20-something, so it's got nothing to do with age. We'll think of it. Okay. It's nice. I'll look it up on my computer while we Because speak. elsewhere to go... Kolonaki, same owner mm. as this place. It's called... I'm going to say Memazar, but it's not Memazar. It's Momalala. Uh, look for it for me. It's very nice. And could you do marble, a wine tasting paired? Because, you know, again, being in the UK, as you know, I was Let's taken to one to place. Let's talk to everybody about that place. <laughs> he went to this place. I just looked at the, at the wine pairing menu. Read some of the things off there. I mean, just the odd little bit. Not, we don't want to brag too, too much, but it, it does sound extraordinarily special. Tell them where it was. A little place called Sorrel. And Sorrel is down in Dorking. And of those of you who know the UK, if you go from London roughly south to the M25, which is the ring road around, there you'll find Sorrel. And if I tell you that um, we started with an Austrian wine, which was with... Was a, it Chardonnay? Um, a Gruner Vatina. Gruner I don't know. I can't oh, pronounce no, these words. The Gruner Feldliner. It's the only place you get it really. And then after that, we went on to uh, Orkney Scallops, and it was a Romanian wine. From there, we went on to um, some aged beef, and that was a Chilean wine, uh, which I have to say was almost my pick of the wines. Really? It was gorgeous, absolutely incredible. What was it, a uh, Malbec? A Carmenia. A Carmenia. Grand yeah, Reserve. And I, mm. it was new to my palate. It, mm. it was gorgeous. Carmenia is a lovely grape. Then we went on to some turbot, you know, which oh, is what the king's nice fish. fish. Yes. Yeah. And uh, from there we had, and that was a Greek wine, um, Thazolatis, uh, a gala wine. Then we went on to Italian, so no country repeated. And we ended off the whole meal, um, which is what we had, some Californian wine. I'm, I'm so mad for Californian wine at the moment. That's my thing next year. I'm going to go to Napa, I think. Well, I, I went five years ago to Napa and Sonoma, mm. and, you know, the scenery doesn't compare with the Western Cape. It's no, absolutely flat. But the actual... And their farms, you can't just walk in unless you've got an appointment. No, they become a bit French like that. <laughs> and, and, and they actually say, no visitors type of thing. So you can't do... But to visit that area, um, and when, as I say, I was there in May five years ago, they'd had terrible fires... And it was still ravaged, but you the wines there. Oh. And then we went, is it to the French laundry restaurant? We didn't we couldn't of, go yeah, in. Couldn't but, you? But you know, looking at that place. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> Everything is so beautifully appointed. You know, and they've the train, really got and the it train, right. Which now you've got in Franchuk as well. They've got it right. So guys, I'm just gonna tell you. Jimmy didn't really tell you much about the food that went with this wine. So this is <laughs> this is wine pairing. David Higgs. Listen up, we're going to sort out something like this at, at Marble next year. But with the Grunewaldliner, there was green, green, green. I suppose that must have been salad, a salad or something. A very like light salad. Then we had some Grunspitzek, which was made in Amphora from Romania. And the Orkney scallops came from that semi-dried umami tomato watermelon roasted fish sauce. It sounds quite sort of we're Asian-ish. Salivating. 
We're salivating, and those scallops must have been fresh out of that Gorgeous. sea. Oh, wow. The salt. Mm. Then, with the carbonara from Chile, there was aged beef with beautiful mushrooms, chicory, wild rice, and Stilton cheese. Mm. Mm. Then we were having some wines from Gaia from Santorini, and we had turbot, which is that fish which we absolutely love, with artichokes and white asparagus and sea herbs and pistachios and a caviar sauce. I can't believe. I mean, we really do need to get our chefs. We're going to get a bunch of chefs in here next year, and we're going to say to them, better that. Hey, should we do it? Because they can. And Johannesburg is meant to be the capital of Africa, and when it comes to gastronomy, things like this. We should be doing this. So that just looks like an absolute high on the 2023 calendar for you. Recommend it to anyone. Fantastic. And it's called Sorrel. Yes. So you're going to remember Sorrel in Dorking. If you're traveling to London, to England, go to Sorrel in Dorking. It looks completely delicious. Mm. So that's a high. Um, Listen, we've still got some lovely restaurants in in Johannesburg, and I do tend to frequent the same ones over and over and over again because they just stay nice. But Paolo from Mastrantonio, that was something very sad that happened this year was Paolo's brother passed away very sadly. Um, one yeah. of the pillars, one of the foundation stones of he, hmm. food in Johannesburg. He was a good friend of mine, and in fact, we flew back the day before his funeral. No, um, and that was you know, just a special awful. man. And you know, I often meet people for breakfast, and he and I would meet four or five times a year, and we've done this for years as mm. well. Very, very special man. That um, was great. A so, great loss to South Africa, but to the industry as well. Absolutely. So that's a big sorry to to that family. So, but Mastrantonio remains good. And they don't only do restaurants. They do catering, catering. for you know, corporates and yes. that sort of thing as well. Then, of so, course, we have to remember Jenny at Bellini's because that's my stamping ground. So <laughs> Bellini's remains a little, a little iconic sort of space that you can always sneak in and out of. But We're keep away on a Friday. Even Friday, if you feel like a buzz and a vibe and a whatever, but just don't wear a Rolex or go in a fancy car. No, I Driving got, a buggered out. Have they got guards there Datsun now? or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then just over the road, and I always call it the wrong name. I think it's Bottega. Bellagio. Bellagio. <laughs> but Bottega's in, in Parkhurst. Mm, mm. They also go Bellagio. And then there are, um, there are a few... Places that have happened out near the cradle. None of them culinary sort of stellar. But that's a destination, you know. That's a day out in the country. And I live in Elovo, and all the restaurants you've mentioned are are within a five-minute drive. And and this is where people more and more, I think, want to be in their communities. Mm. You don't want to schlep all the way out somewhere. No, besides which, you know, you get stopped in your car, and it's just... So the restaurant scene in Johannesburg stays pretty much the same from year to year for Mm. me. You know who's done really well is Natasha, who owns Pronto. We have to mention her because she owns Pronto in Hyde Park, which is the old colony Colony. hotel. Do you remember that, Colony? When we were young, we used to party there. And she's got Pronto, which is always guaranteed a good meal. Then over the road, over the passageway from her, there's that French restaurant, 
which she also owns. And next to that is a restaurant, an Indian restaurant called Mother-in-Law, where they make the best bunny chow. I have oh. to tell you, the best bunny chow that I've ever tasted, mm. what he does with the bread, it looks like a government white loaf, but it can't be because <laughs> government white never tasted like that. <laughs> You go, go in and have a look. I'm not a big bunny child person, but a friend of mine said to me, Carrie, we have to go and try mother-in-law. And it was indeed delicious. But what you're highlighting is Pronto. I've been to it lots of times, mm. but not since COVID. And go. this is where people need to market yes. and market the shopping center because I didn't know about the Indian upgraded, restaurant. And the shopping center has been upgraded. So it's a bit sort of retro. Mm. It looks a little bit... Um, Art Deco-ish, whoever owns it now. I don't know, but it looks quite nice. Mm. They've upgraded it, and it's definitely a good space to go. Okay. So anybody can go there. Um, that's it from me, from the restaurants. I don't know, of course, David's restaurants are always absolutely brilliant. I mean, we can always mm. go to any of mm. David Higgs's restaurants. And I think, did Pitkoff Wood come to Johannesburg from Cape Town? I think he was coming, or was it, who else came? Who came and opened up the... The double-barreled. The Stock Exchange Restaurant, what's it called? No, you've lost me. The Short Market Club. Yes. It's good. It's nice. It's in Rosebank. And I remember going to it in Cape Town, mm. and it was very, very good. Yeah. No, the food is good. I'm not sure that we've got anybody who has managed to top my beautiful David Higgs. Oh, and we can't forget, we can't forget... Um, James she, Dyke. She's forgotten, folks. You know what? This is a bad morning. Callum, what did you put in my water? We can't forget James Dyke. He's also one of the people in Johannesburg who emerges and reinvents himself and reemerges and does all. So, what is his restaurant? His restaurant is. <laughs> starts with a C. Oh, right, we've got Jeremy. The, the M still to come and the C still <laughs> to come. They'll come before the end of this. There'll be notes at the, the end of the program. Callum's busy looking it up for me. It's called, it's called, you know where his restaurant in Parktown North. But can I and suggest. It's on the corner. On your lovely newsletter, you list yes, 10, I'm going 10 to, restaurants to visit in Johannesburg. I'm going to do that. And talking about newsletter, I just sent one out yesterday, I think. And you know what I did in my, in my misery whilst I was bemoaning my fate with load shedding and what have you? I snatched the copy of The Alchemist out of my bookshelf and uh, reread it. I tell you about uh, it in my newsletter. I have read your newsletter and <laughs> I loved the interview with the Bacco boys. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. We're going to talk about Because them. I didn't know about Bacco either. See. And I found it absolutely fascinating. And congratulations to them, what they're achieving. Well, guys, one of the things that Jeremy and I do every year is we select a wine of the year. And my wine of the year is Bacco. Um, and I'll, <laughs> for, for many good reasons, not least of which, Nati Jankilovic is a very, very old customer who became a friend and had this dream that he wanted to own a winery. Mm. He's a terribly accomplished quantity surveyor. He didn't need that shit in his life. <laughs> he didn't need a winery or a wine farm or all the rubbish that goes with it. But he was adamant. And it was a, a wonderful story which made me grab the alchemist out of my bookshelf again because you can still have a dream. You can really, even with all the load shedding and no water and 
ridiculous bills and incorrect taxation and all the stuff that we're hammered with. It's hard being a South African at the moment. It's very hard. Especially a winemaker when you've got water issues, you've got electricity issues, you've got transit, you can't export, and it's a perfect storm against them. The ports are a mess. Everything is a mess. Everything. And this is the government. But that goes for everything. I mean, anybody who is trying to run a a decent, Mm. reasonable business in this country at the moment is battling. We know that. I know that. It's not easy. If you've got one service you don't have the other and then if you need three all together that's a pipe dream you know it's really hard Mm. it's really 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 and i don't think the government has given any or anywhere near enough time to thinking about how difficult it is do they even care i mean they don't really do that all the ministers live in their own bubble they're looked after they probably don't know what's going on outside the bubble but as you say they do my question is do they have a conscience? Clearly not. Clearly not. Clearly not. So moving swiftly on from there. Ta-da. <laughs> my wine and winery of the year is Baco. And if you don't know about it, research it. Go online. Watch, listen to my podcast um, where I interviewed Natie and Martin Smith. Because I have interviewed Martin Smith before. He's one of my favorite people. He's, he's a bit quirky. Well, you were a bit rude about his weight yesterday (laughs) when I I was listening to the interview. But I found it fascinating how they're bringing in new cultivars, adjusting the cultivars. Mm. You and I know that with global warming, if you believe in it, you're having to change and bring in new things. And that's what they're doing all the time. And again, on your website... Most of the wines you're talking about are often Elgin, in other words, in the colder area. areas, the Ionas and people like that. Bought and and yeah, it's that colder area. And now increasingly we're getting these exciting new cultivars coming in mm. where we need to educate people about, starting with myself, because names I've never heard of before. And that's exciting. Well, Passerine you have to try. We popped that into the, into the online shop. Martin Smith is a very smart winemaker. Mm. He's a lovely, he's one of those sort of watery guys. You know, I like watery And you're guys. going blending with him next year. I'm going blending with him. <laughs> he makes beautiful wine and his wine, if I can explain it and describe it to you, both the Passerine and the Baco. So I've been naughty. I've jumped ahead of you and I've said what my wines of the year are. It's going to be the Baco. There's a thing called Prelude Blend. Listen, they're top end blend is the one that got Best Bordeaux Blend Mm. on show in Australia. Mm. That's a huge accolade. Mm. It really is for Mm. a young winery. That is quite an expensive wine. So not everybody can have that. And I'm very cognizant of the fact that the cost of living has just gone completely bloody wild in South Africa this year. So not everybody's got 400 and something rand to go and spend on a bottle of wine. Mm. However, they have a red blend that is the baby entry-level blend at Baco, which I suppose is, because Martin was the winemaker at Villafonte, mm. um, I suppose it's like his seriously old dirt, really. It's called Prelude. Yeah. And it's a Prelude red blend, and it's so delicious, and it's about 200 rand a bottle mm. or something like that. It's really, really classy wine. Classy stuff. You must try it. More than that, he also has a Vermentino, which he makes. And as you know, Vermentino is one of my favorite things. 
Vermentino is a gorgeous, delicious, crisp, white, fragrant, aromatic grape that's lovely for, for summertime. Mm. So I would go with the Vermentino and the Prelude Red Blend for Christmas wines. And then Martin from Passerine has got has got his entry level range as well at Passerine called Dark Elements. Ah, I think okay. it's called Dark Elements. And this is his own. It's his own label. Um, it's a farm that he owns in conjunction with um, a guy called starts with an N. <laughs> Uh, you don't need to know his name. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> he's a silent partner. And he's a really nice man. Um, he lets Martin do his thing, but he's into mining. Um, and he's just one of those dream partners who writes out a check every month and doesn't ask too many questions, I think. But Dark Elements um, Shiraz at around 200 rand a bottle as well. It's It's... Do you know what it is? It's I say it's blue and black fruit. Mm. So it's sort of not that the fruit's been hit to the stage, you know, punched around until it's black and blue. It started out being black and blue. <laughs> and it's juicy and it's aromatic and it's gorgeously sweet, naturally sweet. And then around the edges of that blue-black fruit, there's this spicy tinge. It's just delicious. So it's like for Christmas puddings, it's mm. perfect. Mm. You know, if you just want to feel like having buri rolls for Christmas Day lunch, if it's too hot and you just throw buri on the brine, <laughs> all that spice in burivos will go beautifully with that Shiraz as well. It's delicious wine. That dark element Syrah is definitely a have to buy at some well, stage. I hope you've got a mixed case of Baco wines available because we'll I'm sure one, after this, a we'll, lot of people will be knocking we'll on your... We'll put one together. <laughs> it really, really, really is smart wine. That and, and the Passerine are my two. What is your wine of the year? You're allowed to have more than one because I had two. <laughs> I have to say I wish I'd tasted Baco and I haven't, so obviously something that's something to, to do. That's yeah. on my to-do list. Yeah. I went to Winex um, this year and, mm. and had a good wander around to see what was going on. I'm not sure anything was head and shoulders above anything else. I know. There were lots of good, uh, very good wines. Standard of South African wine is definitely raised. Mm? Raised. I think the, um, the Devets range of Chardonnays. Mm, lovely. And you and I were at a tasting at the beginning of the year for mm. Takara wines. Oh, yes. And I, I have to say that they, as far as I'm concerned, would be right up there. Yeah. Um, because they were beautiful, they were clean, mm. and um, very, very professional the way they're doing things. And mustn't forget that they gave us all a flagon of olive oil afterwards. Yes, which, did you taste that olive oh, oil? It was incredible. I want some more. Maybe we should ask Carl if we could have that for Christmas. I think it's probably going to be, I have to remortgage our houses to buy a bottle. <laughs> I think Carl said he bought himself a place in Pringle Bay. So he's probably down there already because <laughs> yes. these guys close off, don't they? Yes, about of course. This and I don't understand that because they have all the tourists and things coming. Surely to goodness, that must be their, their catchment area, you know? They well, I think they just have people in the tasting room. Yeah. And, you know, I believe Cape Town already is buzzing. And, uh, well, I was there businesses. last week and it was nightmarish. It was nightmarish. Already? I don't wanna, yeah. I don't want to be in Cape Town at Christmas time. And it still hasn't warmed up. You know, it's still only 21, 22 for the most part. The um, weather is yeah. a shocker in Cape Town. Mm. All our semigrants, 
are complaining. Are going to come running back to Johannesburg and say, you know what, guys, you weren't so bad. I have a daughter who's saying that. Is she? Yes. <laughs> and she'll be back up here for Christmas. I, I know. know. <laughs> I know. We have such beautiful weather here, although it has been hot in Johannesburg. And of course, when the electricity keeps going off, you can't put the aircon or the fan on. So you just, you heat up as well. But thank goodness most of us have swimming pools, I suppose. So it's not too And bad. we must mention, which we do every time, the need to make a red wine slightly chilled, yes. slightly cooler, yes. bring the temperature down. Because our ambient temperatures are too high. I think I, I mentioned once that I was um, in the backwoods of the Western Cape um, in Tulbach, and it was a very hot there, and we ordered a Bordeaux blend, and I asked for an ice bucket. And have you ever had the look of death from someone <laughs> when you order an ice bucket? And immediately I put the... No, the person serving didn't want to do it, so I took the bottle you know, and, and rammed it down into the ice, and we just ignored it for the next 20 minutes. No, no, you do need to cool it down. But you know, with the advent of all these lighter reds like Cinso, mm. Grenache, mm. those sort of blends coming out, they really can do with a bit of chilling down. Specifically, I mean, they like cold drink, they like fortress, really. Well, what down to about 15 or even lower? 15, 14 degrees, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I keep my cellar at 14 degrees. Oh, do you? Mm. Yeah, because mm. there's champagne in there as well. You know, anything lower than that and stuff can start to disintegrate. You don't want your wine to be too well, cold. Well, when you mention champagne, I think I have to thank Michael Fridgen because at Winex a few years ago, you know, he used to have a magnum of Louis Ruderer and I was the lucky recipient one year. What? Yes. Did you cheat? How did you get it? I don't know, but I say thank you, Michael. <laughs> and it had been staying... I've never won anything in my whole life. It was staying you know at home in my, whatever it is, uh, as you say, a cold. Yeah. And we brought it out a couple of months ago. And I have to say it was absolutely scrumptious. Oh, no, it's so nice. In Magnum I just well, it's much, wish there were no other nicer. people sharing it with me because... You know, <laughs> didn't share. Why did you You want wait? to get selfish with a no, bottle like that. No, that's the kind of thing you take to bed with you. You don't, you don't share it with anybody. Maybe one other person. Well, exactly. But uh, yeah. no, I think that magnum of Louis Rudra really was. Um, so do you think that in a perfect world, on your lunch, your Christmas lunch table, you might have a magnum of Louis Rudra? I think depending on what we're eating, because you no, know, also you no, know, in Johannesburg the last week or so it's been up around thirty-two, thirty-three. Mm. And what would you would you still have a lunch? Would you rather have an evening? I know mm. in our family now, our bigger family, we often meet up now on Christmas Eve, where at least it'll be cooler as well. We always did Christmas Eve dinners as children. That was always our Christmas celebration. But then, of course, you've got. Christmas Day, where lunch has to happen. Yep. And you've got Christmas Day night, and you've got Boxing Day lunch and Boxing Day night. If you're still standing. So there's quite a lot of meals, <laughs> so we can do lots of wines. So you're dodging bullets here. What is your favorite wine for the year? He never wants to say it. It's like a typical boy well, thing, in case he gets held to it. I think the Takara range. We had so many beautiful wines there. and um, Well, they've got I that Director's Reserve Red which and we had Director's at the end. Reserve White. 
both of which are beautiful. Both are blends. Well, let's take both of those because okay. I, I move around, as you know. I don't stick to reds or whites. No. We haven't mentioned roses yet because I think they need to be mentioned. I was going to ask you about rosé because I know you like that uh, as a category. A dryish rosé still mm. takes a lot of beating. Uh, I remember being in Italy, you know, at lunchtime, go out and have a pizza and a bottle of rosé. Yeah, what could be fun. better? I know. It's like sort of squashed, strained strawberries in a bottle. We like but that. But not too sweet. No, not like the old no. Lanzarote rosés. Well, you don't really get sweet strawberries anymore because they're all, they're all <laughs> nuked. <laughs> so the rosé is like a nuked strawberry. Mm. Mm. And it's interesting how many people are now producing rosés. You know, even a KWV Rudeberg rosé, and also how many people are producing bubbles as well, mm. um, and some of them are very good. Mm. You know, do you remember, I think it was quite funny when we had that Takara tasting, that Carl was saying that um, G.T. Freire, of course, the owner, turned around to him and to the winemaker a little while ago and said his daughter was getting married, and he wanted to make sure that they could drink Takara bubbles rather than have to import bubbles for the wedding. I'm already using words that are suitable for a program such as this. Um, but as a result of it, they did produce bubbles. And in fact, I think we they had did. a glass. And, they and were it's delicious. very expensive. It's in delicious. fact, it's become so expensive, GT Ferreira, that we could buy <laughs> French bubbles for less sometimes than what we're paying for the Takara ones, I think. Well, you're raising an interesting point now that often imported wines of very good quality are cheaper than some of... Well, again, if you go into the online shop, Hervé, my beautiful Frenchman, has got some wines in the online shop. And most of them, I mean, listen, he's got loads of wines in his portfolio, but I've only put a few of them into the online mm. store. Because I think that they're all nice entry-level wines for people who aren't familiar with, with French or Italian, and some of them, he's, there's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc there, and there's a Chilean Malbec or something there. Um, and they're all under about 350 rand a bottle. Mm, yeah. So they definitely box in the same ring as South Africa because our wine prices have gone up They've quite gone up considerably. Dramatically. Which they should have done to a large extent. But again, it precludes a large sector of society because not everybody can. Government hasn't provided anybody with jobs, so nobody gets a salary. So how are they going to buy a bottle of wine? Well, when you actually look at the wine industry, you know, talking to someone like Rico Basson, you know, um, who's obviously one of the main ambassadors of South African wine, you now when he says the contribution to GDP is huge, not just the wine, but also the wine tourism, and no support from government. No. And, and the DTI, you know, from what I'm hearing increasingly, is getting more and more dysfunctional. Oh, yeah. No. Listen, we're not even going to go there with the degradation of South Africa. We just know that. We, that's why I'm trying to desperately find nice wines for the people of South Africa <clears throat> to make them feel a little bit better about life. And they are. They are nice. Talking about rosé, the Jess rosé from Fred Erdlist, which is one of my favorites, it's also in that online store. It's delicious. It really is just an uncomplicated, I think it's under 100 rand. And again, a wonderful place to visit. Yeah. And if you've got a bit more time, go next door to Rupert and Rothschild. Mm. And those two together are an absolute destination. And talking about Rupert and Rothschild, if we're telling people, giving them recommendations, um, 
the winemaker from Rupert and Rothschild, who is our gorgeous Skulky Jubair, Skulk Willem, he now makes wines at Cordoba. Oh. It was called Cordoba, that farm. And I think it's now called Tybos. Tybos. Well, Tybos has to be one of our best. If I wasn't, In fact, I want another one. If I wasn't talking Tybos to Cara, to Lama, We'd be Tybos. talking Tybos, eh? And Tybos, I tasted it at Winex. Oh, and it was gorgeous. It's good. So he was the winemaker at Rupert and Rothschild. But in addition to his Tybosh red, he makes Pink Lady or Pink Valley. Pink Valley Rosé. Have you no, tasted that? No. Pink Valley Rosé, guys. Go and buy yourself a bottle of Pink Valley Rosé. It's really nice. Tybosh is going to be Ty one Bosch of... Finesse 2019. It's going to be one of South yeah. Africa's absolute. So that's... Is that your number two? So that's you've got Takara. Yep. You've got Tybosh. Yes. Listen, those are our tops. But we do need to just talk about a few more. <laughs> We're not allowed to have any more favorites. Go up the West Coast and, and you'll to? see Ruta Post and Sea Salter. And Ruta Post have got a new Chardonnay called a pinch of salt. Oh, interesting. In their portfolio, which is delicious. So you've got sea salt, sea salt you've got a pinch, pinch of, of salt. salt. Mm. And then you've got, there's a red one, something to do with salt. Mm. So That's I think Ruta Post has reinvented itself very, very Lovely cleverly. Lovely wines. And then go up further, go to Friars Cove. Nice and is wine. it Drogic Bay, whatever it is, their second label, Sauvignon Blancs. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. But Friars you know Cove what? as well, hardly anyone's heard Don't of it. Don't show off that English accent again <laughs> like that, please. We're going to be in trouble if you do that. <laughs> but I think also Neil Ellis produces a West Coast Sauvignon Blanc. Neil well. Ellis has got a West Coast Sauvignon Blanc. There is um, also up that West Coast, there's... You know what? I'm honestly having... I think I must have had a stroke last night in bed because it was too hot. <laughs> Alexander Fontaine. Oh, right. Okay. Lovely wine mm. from Alexander Fontaine. And very affordable. Yeah. And then, of course, if you start going back to wherever, back to the wine lands, you go through the Swartland, and we can't miss them out. The Swartland are making good wine. Do you know who's? Do you know who's also produced some really lovely wines this year? Is Kathy Marshall. Catherine Marshall is making lovely Pinot Noir. So, I but think we're going to have a really, really, really hot I summer. I thought she was in the Hermanus area. Well, or no. Or she got different blocks. She's, she goes and gets blocks from all over the place. And she makes her wine in the old Armani cellar, I think. Because I was introduced to her wines a couple of years ago, and they are oh, they're stellar. Lovely. They're yeah. beautiful. Mm. They really are lovely. So Catherine Marshall wines are definitely something to go and have a look for. Um, the other person whose wines you have to know about is Jean Nell from Damazine. Don't know. You see. My brand guru. <laughs> well, all these wine brands, and I have to say one thing that always upsets me is reading someone like Jancis Robinson in the FT, and she's talking about South African wines and wines of the year and wines to have at Christmas. And they don't know half of this stuff. I've never heard of them. No. And also, for the most part, they've never come near Gauteng. <laughs> they don't. So, you know, this is where we, we, we 
We talk about, what is it, four-fifths of all wine in South Africa are drunk. Is consumed in, in Gauteng. Yet all the wine tastings, all the publicity, such as it is, all the marketing, and it's such as it is, is all in the Western Cape. It's all in the Western Cape, but here we are. I'll show you. Look at that. Damazine. They are expensive. They are completely and utterly delicious. There is a Cabernet Franc. I know you like Cabernet mm. Franc. Mm. He makes the most delicious Cabernet Franc. He makes an unbelievable Riesling of all things. You say of all things. I've started drinking Tinnisgore Riesling Have again. You? Does it still taste nice? Were we on per drugs when we were drinking it when we were young? Perfect in this weather. Mm. Really very, very cold. Crispy, clean and nice. Exactly. Yeah. I've sent out That's a, a message. Lovely range, though, I've well. sent out a message to phone a friend about the restaurant that starts with an M. <laughs> <laughs> I phoned a friend, but he hasn't come back to me. Um, but again, what you're it's highlighting? What? No, it's Medina. Medina. Yeah. There we are, my sweetheart. Medina in Parkers, gorgeous restaurant. Next time you and Sharon are looking for something nice to do, mm. go to Medina. It really is fabulous food. Look, now Wayne's come in too late, too little, too late. Callum won that race, and it did start with an M. <laughs> normally, I get, normally I get the first letter right. I told you it's a new game that my family has started <laughs> since I nearly died of COVID. I came back with this half a memory that only remembers the first letter of every word. So it sounds like a parlor this, Christmas game. It is. So we've got this new game in the Lambert and the Adams family. It says starts with a, and then everybody has to guess until you. But you know, what things. you're highlighting is you're an expert, a total expert. Wh who can't You have remember. your finger on the pulse, but you know about all of this. Mm. And there are so many of us out there who have who some don't. knowledge. We yeah. don't. Yeah. And no one's marketing. No. no one's saying, try something a little bit different or have you tried this? I love Grenache as well. And, and, you know. Well, for example, have you drunk the Maras wines? Yes. You introduced he's got a at Norman Goodfellow. You introduced yes, me. Yes, he's got beautiful Grenache and Sinso. And he's Swartland, isn't he? He's Swartland, largely. But also helped along by David Nivot, who we love yes, with our hearts. Yes. And they make very, very nice wine. And he's bought a place, I believe, in Elgin now as well. So apart from Cedarburg, mm. it's the colder areas. Well, listen, David's got the most boundless energy. He's one, he, he is our <laughs> energizer bunny. And oh, he he's makes, stunning. We cannot... Leave this podcast without saying Ghost Corner, doubt, Cedarburg. Go to Ghost Corner. <laughs> yes. Cedarburg is a fabulous farm. And then, you know, we also can't forget about people like who drive the, the Volkswagen Beetles of the industry for us, like Valera. So subsequently taken over now by that big French firm, but I think Jeff Greer and Co. still running it and still. He's had a place in Languedoc, as I recall, for quite some time. They bought that too. Really? Mm. But this is where, you know, if you talk to someone like Mike Ratcliffe, he's got his company now, which is doing deals. People from overseas are buying up estates very quietly or buying up pockets mm. and consolidating. Mm. And I think there are now over 20 countries or owners from over 20 countries in the Western Cape. Oh, yeah. Because they've got the money. It's a big and thing the for them. It's a so small low. change because the rand exactly. is a Mickey Mouse currency. And they're bringing in new cultivars and yeah. new styles. Yeah. And we, listen, 
I'm not sure how long it's going to be allowed to happen for. I don't know if you remember that I esteemed Mr. Zuma at one stage said that no no foreigner was going to be allowed to buy <laughs> to buy property in South Africa. Um, not that there were too many people racing to buy, I can tell you, but I think with the farms, um, I think with the farms, they're going to have to be careful because you don't want a wine, you don't want our beautiful wine lands being owned completely by foreigners. No, you... I'm not. I'm not sort of xenophobic or anything, but I do think that you've got to be a little bit careful. I, I, it's I like agree. letting the Chinese people take over Bordeaux. You know, you can't do that. They it's... just don't have the heritage in them. No, you need. That's where nationalism, and it's a debate that we need to have. And One that's, day, that's a global challenge. Though. It's a global challenge. It's not just it's a not South just African, African one. No. You have to. You have to tell the Wokies, I'm really sorry for you, but in this instance, nationalism counts. National pride, national heritage, national whatever. You can't just wipe the history books clean and, you know, you can't. It's there. It's who but, we are. But I think about five or six years ago, we talked about the Chinese buying into Australian mm. because the Australian wine industry was having drought problems Bit of a problem, yeah. and a lot of the guys were struggling yeah so they were buying them but then saying and you stay and run them so they were actually helping the Australians survive um, and now of course you've got the trade argument between Australia and China mm. so that's almost wiped out the whole export market and this is where of course South Africa has been benefiting by exporting but you to know China. what you know what they do I mean the Chinese are just such good business people Yellowtail, mm. which is one of the biggest wine brands in the world that comes from Australia, come the Chinese-Australian trade war, and they just bottle Yellowtail in Chile, and the Chinese <laughs> buy it from there. <laughs> you know, there, there's there always ways. ways around it. But, <laughs> but my thing is, is that you, you, want, you want a stamp. So... If we say, and that's it's to do with my it's to do with my um, collective adjective, really, to describe nations. Every nation should have one word that describes them. So if I say parsimonious, what nation springs to mind? What people? Let me get my dictionary out. <laughs> the Scots. The Scots. Yeah, Titus ducks. You know what? <laughs> Don't want to do that. If I say um, disciplined. And you're talking Germanic. <laughs> yes, you see. So that's what I'm talking about. Mm. If I say the most beautiful wine lands in the world or sort of French Huguenotism. We've got to talk French, French, French. We Frankrug. have to. So we have to preserve those things without wishing to be political in any form or fashion. It just but is. It's just in more. our DNA. Yes. And we can't remove our DNA, unfortunately. Stellenbosch wine route, yeah. Franschuk, Huguenot. Mm. Um, but then you know there are so many fantastic other areas, whether it's Hamel well, and Hart, you know, Constantia, or whatever. There are so many that have blossomed. And we have to be careful not to become a sort of mishmash and a cheap toilet bag full of cheap generic stuff, you know. But there are definitely things like I've been doing a lot of tastings this year for clients and I've done them on what I like to think of as Super Stellenbosch. You get Super Tuscans. The Italians started making those Super Tuscans. Not all 
all that long ago. I mean, we have had our wine lands for 400 years. Mm. So we could make super Stellenbosch and mm. we could be selling some of those Stellenbosch Cabernets for the same as the Barolos, the Ornelias and the Sasakais. We should be doing that. But we don't. We're so busy trying to cancel ourselves out and try and reinvent ourselves as something that we're not. That is who we are. Yeah. And it's our national stamp. And we need to, you, Mr. Brand South Africa, you need to get into that industry with me. We've got to help them realize that they've got a ready-made brand that's filled with gorgeousness, that we just have to get out to all the people of South Africa. And we have so many friends out there. Mm. Um, and this is where I come back to Janssen Robinson and the FT. She's always blowing the horn on behalf of South Africa. Yeah, she does. Saying best value for money mm. in the world. Um, yes. But this is where some people don't understand marketing. Um, and also, if you want a top, top brand, you've got to have scale. And this is, again, where, whether you like it or not, Chocolate Block has done incredibly well. And during my two weeks in the UK, every it's single everywhere. place, every single place <laughs> I went into, and I probably went into about a dozen, just to have a look, it is Chocolate Block everywhere. was there. And that is marketing. It's availability. Well, hello, and who it's was front that? Ridge Lascaris. And John Hunt. The two of them. Brilliant. Um, Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Martin. And, you know, it, it's, I find it fascinating, again, going to Winex, that you look at the Buchenholz Cliff stand, and the main thing they're promoting is Wolf Trap, which sells for, what, 70 bucks a bottle or something. Mm. And I thought, why are they pushing that so strongly when you can go up and up and up? Mm. Well, listen, I think their the next tier pretty much sells out. As it's, as it's launched, as it's labeled and bottled, mm. it's pretty much, because I think it's on allocation. But Wolf Trap is a really good drink. It is. Just drink it. Wolf Trap white and Wolf Trap red, under 100 rand. It's great, great value for money. Very good value. We've rabbited on for so long. It's time God, to go. Is it Gottfried Mocker? Um, Gottfried Mocker. Has gone there with, joined Mark Kent, and uh, mm. he's, because I think it's done a little bit, of, and now it's rising high. But I think. Is Mark Kent back? I think he went to go and live in Amsterdam. I don't he? know. Yeah, he no. went to go and live in Holland. He might be back. Mm. And I think he's still involved a bit at Book and Hertz Club. I'm yeah. not sure. But what a success story. Yeah. But they understood marketing oh. and the need for scale. They're they big don't, don't tell me they've made two barrels or three <laughs> barrels of this and wins an award. That's fantastic. But then there's the other side. You need the scale. And that's where Rupert and Rothschild and Chocolate Block are the two Mass market. But you know, don't you think, just in closing, don't you think that it's so interesting for me that in South Africa, in the new world wine producing countries, it's almost, it's almost like 50% the label and the name. And you could put methylated spirits in that bottle and it would still sell. But Chocolate Block is such a clever name. It makes you want to buy it and drink it, doesn't it? You it's, look at it and you just think you can imagine lovely liquid chocky in your mouth in the form of wine. I'm going to have one of those. Or, strangely enough, if you put a dog on the label. Do you remember Mulderbosch's Faithful Hound? And that it's label so, up, yes. It was so lovely. There was this faithful dog. I think it was Mike Dobrovic's dog. It was him. It was him, yes. It was his dog and it was there was just a gorgeous story about mm. it and everybody wanted this. And to this day, Faithful Hunt, they changed the label. The Americans came in. 
I think there was a patent thing on that somewhere. I think there was something. But you're talking name, which is branding, yes. label, which is branding, a story, which is branding, all these things. And you understand that. branding, not brandy, which we also <laughs> like. But <laughs> branding. But, but these are all the components mm. and availability. You know, you can't just keep having small pockets of things. It's wonderful to have small bursts of excellence. You need large blanket excellence every to make year, a brand. Every year. And it's consistency. It's yeah. the same as parenting. You can't smack your child once and then praise him the next time. It's consistency that has to happen. Mm. So I think what I really did finally go all the way around like we always do in a big <laughs> 360 because that's life. Without people like Jeremy who are brand gurus, there is no wine industry. Thank you for what you do for the industry. I don't know if any of you know, but he was really instrumental at Distel, KWV, Lots and lots of brands across this country and specifically in the South in the Southern wine industry. I know just a little, but I know more because of knowing you. So thank you, Terry. Happy Christmas. <laughs> and to all this is a bit sad. Choosing water <laughs> we'll around this barrel. <laughs> it's nearly Christmas. Thank you for joining me, Terry.